The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Well, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023, Lifehouse. It's a new year, new you. Or is it? Is it a new year, but will you experience the same pain? It's a new year, but will the regrets of the previous year repeat itself again? It's a new year, but how come for so many of us, failure feels so fresh? You see, while that statement can offer us some semblance of hope, for most of us, we're probably approaching this year with a lot more hesitation than we'd hope to have. While we want to welcome in our future, it just seems like failure is not so far behind. Have you ever felt that way before? Have you ever felt like failure was final? I remember when my family and I, we moved to Maryland several years ago. You see, we, we lived in Northern Virginia for the majority of our, our childhood and, and teenage life. All of our friends, all of our family was right there in Northern Virginia. And we felt like God had planted in our heart a dream, a dream to start a young adult program right here in Maryland. And so we quit our jobs, we, we, we sold our stuff, and we left everything and everyone that we knew and loved, and we took our 10-month-old son at that time, and we moved to Maryland. And we did everything we could. We poured everything we had into this dream. We, we went to conferences. We, we wanted to look official, so we made our own clothing. I mean, can you imagine my wife, Margaret, and I just making our own T-shirts? We had to make promo videos for something that never even existed, so we had to take snippets of other things that was already in existence. We talked to parents. We talked to students about being a part of this dream, helping us make this dream a reality. And at the end of the day, the dream died before it even, it even gave birth. It, at the end of the day, it seemed like more and more this dream was turning into a nightmare. And I could, not, I, I, I could not wrap my head around the fact that how can you follow God and fail? And I felt so embarrassed. I felt like I just wanted to run away and hide. I wanted to go back home, but everyone back home knew that I left home to pursue this dream. I wanted to leave where I was at because I knew that everybody was looking at me. I felt like everyone was just judging me as that guy that, that couldn't, couldn't make this dream a reality. And I felt like I failed my wife. I felt like I failed my son. I felt like I failed the people that believed in me. I felt like failure had the last say in my life and I could not see beyond that point. You know, there comes a point in every story where the hero wants to hang up their, their cape, they feel like they've lost all hope. They feel like they're at the end of their rope. But as moviegoers, we, we know that it's a movie and everyone lives happily ever after. Or maybe you read a book and it's like a fairy tale and you realize that moment is only three-fourths of the way done and you know that there's still many chapters for the whole thing to turn around. But in real life... In our life, it doesn't necessarily play out like a movie now, does it? Not everyone lives happily ever after. And, and unfortunately, our stories don't oftentimes turn out like fairy tales because they're full of defeats and, and failures. You ever felt that way before where you felt like you were at the end of your rope? You felt like you've lost all hope 
Maybe you did chase that dream and you took that chance and you got your hopes up only to lie in the wake of just empty promises and shattered hopes, shattered dreams. Maybe it was that hope or that dream that, that I'm gonna get this healing from this sickness, but then you got a different diagnosis. Or perhaps it was that hope and that dream to, to, to finally get that romance and that proposal never came. That call never came for that promotion because you got passed up or perhaps that, that childhood, that normal childhood, that father figure in your life that you had so wanted just never came back. We felt like just giving up. You ever feel like failure is getting stronger and stronger while our faith and our hope and our confidence just becomes weak? I want to take us to a passage of scripture where the author of the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 records individuals, individuals that can relate to you and I, individuals that experience hopelessness, emptiness, shattered dreams. They actually never receive what, what was promised to them in this world. And this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. You may be reading that like I read it and said, oh my gosh, their life was a failure. Their life was a waste. They didn't even receive what was promised to them. They literally died not receiving their promises. It said that they, they welcomed their promise from a distance. It's almost as though this dream was, was so close, but yet it was so far. And it went on to say that they felt like they were foreigners here on earth. You ever felt like that before? Where it seems like everyone around you seems to be succeeding, seems to be winning. They're winning in their relationships. They're winning in their jobs. But it feels like I'm just a foreigner because I'm a failure. But yet the author of the book of Hebrews actually caps off this chapter this way. It says this, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. We would think that the world would consider these men and women, these individuals as failures, as flops, individuals who should be known for their mistakes or who would rather be known for, for, for their failures. But yet the author of the book of Hebrews is saying they're not going to be remembered for, for their mistakes or their shortcomings or the fact that they did not receive their promises, but rather they're going to be commended for their faith. Here's why. It says, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. The reason why they're not gonna be known for their failures and known for their faith is because God has a better plan for us. Maybe you're asking yourself, what is the better plan that God has for me? What's this better thing than the failure that I'm experiencing right now? What's this better plan that God has for me that is more than just the empty promises? What's, what's the better plan that God has for me because I can't see it beyond my failure? If you feel like you're, you're that character ready to hang up your cape, and you hear these words, God has better plans for you, you're probably asking yourself, well, how do I get to the good part? And so the writer of the book of Hebrews continues to say this in the next chapter over, in verse one of chapter 12, therefore, anytime you hear that word therefore, you have to ask yourself, what is it therefore? 
It says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that has been marked out for us. The author is saying, since you have a great cloud of witnesses, the witnesses that they were talking about was the men and women of faith that perhaps never received what was promised to them in this world, but they lived and they died living by faith. These individuals ran the race that was marked for them, that, that despite the resistance, they continued to run. Why? How? It's because they discovered a principle that allowed them to persevere despite the promises that they didn't receive in this life. They discovered a principle that allowed them to realize that failure is not final so long as your focus is on the right finish line. This is a, a principle that you and I, we are invited to discover today, this year. So what is this principle? What is this takeaway that we can apply to ourselves right now that can allow us to stop failure from stopping us short of finishing the race that's been marked for us? And it's this, that we have to embrace eternity. We have to embrace eternity. The author said that these individuals, these men and women were commended were remembered not for their failures, but rather for their faith, even when they did not receive what was promised to them. Why? It's because the promise of this life was not the finish line that they were focusing on. They were focusing on the future. We have to focus and fix our eyes on the things ahead, on the future. God's plan for us, here's what the author is saying, is better, is better. Our future is better and brighter than the darkest days of our failure. I'm, I'm almost certain every single one of us wouldn't, wouldn't want to be remembered for our failures. I know I wouldn't want to be remembered where, where I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to be remembered for all the mistakes, all the regrets, all the things I did wrong, but rather commended just like these men and, and women. But unfortunately, we don't often live our lives that way, now do we? Because we believe that failure is final. And the reality is, it's true. You see, you and I, we have a nature deep within all of us that causes us to fail, that leads us to our finality. It's almost as though there's a bullseye. And in the middle of the bullseye is God's plan and his better promises for us, this, this eternity that, that he's calling us to embrace, but it seems like every time we try to hit that mark, we just miss it. And the reason for that is because of a nature called sin. You see, sin is any action, any thought, any intention that goes contrary to who God is. And this sin actually is an archery term, which means to miss the mark. Here's the bullseye of God's better plan, of God's future for us. And our sin causes us to miss the mark. And the target that we hit is finality. It's ultimate ruin, destruction, where the payment for our sin punishment was God's full wrath. But God loved us so much that he knew that our sin would separate, him, separate us from him and all things good that he sent his one and only son, Jesus. As a matter of fact, the author of, of the book of Hebrews calls the readers to, to focus and fix their eyes on a specific author. They say it this way. 
It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand throne of God. Jesus came with the express purpose to take on the full wrath of God. God knew that our sin would cause us to miss the mark and in essence, hitting the target of destruction and full wrath of God on us. But Jesus so lovingly was sent by God to become the target of our wrath, to become the target of his wrath on himself. And so when he died, all of our shame, all of our sin, our failures, our regrets was heaped upon the life of Jesus. And in his death, he defeated death once and for all. But not just dying for our sins, Jesus rose from the grave, defeating sin, death, and hell so that those that will believe in Jesus Christ by faith would not only be forgiven, but would be granted a new and forever life, a different future, an eternity that we all can embrace. So what happens when we place our faith in Jesus is it gives us access to the future, to the better plans that God has for us. Jesus is the better plan that God has for us. Christmas is better. Jesus is better. That is the better that God has for us and is calling us to embrace. And so when we place our faith in Jesus, the spirit of God comes and makes its home into our spirit. The spirit that causes us to miss the mark, causes us to fail and lead us to our finality. It moves out and the spirit of God, it sets a new finish for us. It sets a new final for us, a, a new ending for us, an eternity where we can spend in right relationship with God forever. And it sets a new race for us to run, an eternity we all are called to embrace. And so how? How do we live in, in such a way where we embrace eternity? I want to give us three complementary thoughts today. And the first is this. To embrace eternity, we have to remove the excess weight. We have to remove the excess weight. Let's go back here to Hebrews. It says, since God had, some, had planned something better for us, so that only together with us, they would be made perfect. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run. Now, we all know what extra baggage or excess weight can do to a runner that's looking to run a race. Any runner in the right mind that is not only looking to complete the race, but to compete and win the race is not going to add any excess weight. As a matter of fact, if all of us were to go into a track right now to watch runners run their race, it would almost look ridiculous if we looked and saw a runner that strapped on five pound ankle weights on each ankle, or, or perhaps they were holding on to 10 pound dumbbells on each hand and they've got a weighted chest vest on wrapped around their body. And on top of that, they may have a 25 pound weighted blanket. It would look unusual and it would be right for us to assume that this, this runner can't be serious. He looks ridiculous. She looks ridiculous. She's probably, or he's probably, not looking to run the race and win it let alone run the race and finish it. So the author is saying, we have to throw off all of the excess weight 
that is going to slow us down, that's going to trip us up, and that's going to hinder us. Now, the, the, the word picture that the author is painting here is removing the excess body bulk. Almost like if you had a, a heavy garment that's on you, a weighted blanket that's on you. The author's saying, you got to throw those things off. You got to remove that excess weight. Now it's the, the beginning of the year. I know millions of us are probably already ready to, to make a New Year's resolution at this point. Maybe even thousands of us are going to commit this year to losing some, some excess weight. Maybe it's five pounds. Maybe it's 10 pounds. Maybe it's 15 pounds, 20 pounds. That's the excess weight that we can see. I would wager to say that it is the excess weight that is much harder for us to spot that is going to slow us down the most. Follow me here. How much lighter, how much lighter do you think you would feel if, let's say, you approach 2023 and you lost some excess emotional baggage? Think about it. You lost some emotional weight. I think I'm not the only one here that's, that's watching this sermon right now that could lose and drop some drama pounds. I, I would imagine if you lost some drama in your life, if you lost some emotional baggage in your life, that you would run faster. Think about going into this year right now, what if you lost some, some, some excess mental weight? Think about the pounds of pressure that you put on yourself. Imagine moms, Losing a little bit of that mom guilt this year. I, I would wager to say that you'd not only run faster, you'd actually go further. So how do we lose it? You see that, that word throw off is a compound word. And so when the two words are put together, it means to lay it down and to push it beyond reach. You got to lay it down and to push it beyond your reach. And the author's saying you got to throw it off, which implies it's actually on you. So how do you know when weight is on you? Well, you can feel it, and you can start seeing the effects of carrying the excess weight. So we need to start asking ourselves, what's being affected in my life, in my thoughts, in my heart, in my spirit, in my soul? What's being affected in my relationships? What are the things that's slowing me down? And we have to, we have to do what the author says. We got to lay it down, and we got to push it beyond our reach, and then he says, run. You see, running actually creates a distance between you and the thing that you've pushed away. And so maybe this year you're saying, I need, I need to lose some of this excess anxiety. And so I got to lay it down and I got to push it beyond my reach. God, it's this thought pattern. I got to push it beyond my reach. I'm giving it to you. And then the author says, you got to run. So take one step in front of the other. And so maybe that means I got to go get a counselor because they're going to keep telling me what are the right next steps to go in the right direction. Maybe it's a habit that keeps hindering you. I got to lay it down. I got to push it beyond reach. God, this habit is yours. I don't, I don't want to touch it. And then we run. I'm going to go find accountability. If it's sin, then we repent and run. Can I just tell you, not everything that's going to slow you down is sin. But when it is sin, we repent and we run. Repentance means a change of direction. 
You see, distance gets created when there is a change of direction. The more we run in the right direction, the further and further it gets out of our reach. I can assure you this. God's reward for you running your race will far outweigh the weight that he's calling us to remove. Secondly is this. To embrace eternity, we have to run with endurance. We have to run with endurance. It says this, and let us run with endurance the race God has set for us. This journey of following Jesus is in fact that. It's a, it's a journey and it's a race, but it's not the type of race that we all hope that it'd be where it's a sprint, where I start and then I'm finished right away. It's not the type of race where you get a participation trophy or I get a participation trophy just for standing on the track. No, I actually have to run. It's a marathon. And the word picture and, and the, 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 the context of the word run and race that the author is using kind of shows difficulty, conflict, and struggle. Because Likewise, in following Jesus, there's some conflict, there's some difficulty, and there is some struggle that we will experience. This whole theme of running with endurance is a theme that you'll find all throughout the book of Hebrews because the original readers were tempted to run the other way. They were experiencing stresses, struggles, difficulties that, that almost tempted them to just stop following Jesus and go back to their old life. And so the author is telling the readers, I need you to focus. I need you to focus at the race at hand because your focus will determine your finish. You know, when you're running a long distance, you don't oftentimes see the finish line right away. And, and we have the tendency, especially if we don't see the finish, to start focusing on other things. My hamstrings are getting cramped up. I'm getting thirsty. I'm hungry. How come I'm not done yet? How come I'm not finished yet? I wonder what prize I'm going to get right now. And those things can oftentimes slow us down or stop us completely. And so the author is saying, I want you to not focus on the finish line, but rather fix your eyes on the Lord. And we have to fix our eyes on the different facets of Jesus in order for us to run well and to run with endurance. And so they say this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand throne of God. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus the author. Have you ever watched a movie that was based out of a book? Now, I'm not much of a reader, but I know some people who are avid consumers of books, avid consumers of content that they can just read, who've spent the days and the nights and the hours and the weeks and the months to read thousand-page books. And, and you know the 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 individuals that, that, that read the book first and then watch the movie, oftentimes, in, in, in my experience, they've always said that the book is better. Why is that? It's because you can put a lot more content in a 1,000-page book than you can put in a 70-minute movie. The best authors will take its readers throughout a, a journey, but more than taking them through a journey through the content of their writing, what, what gets revealed is the character of the author. 
You start seeing their character through the details that they put in every character in the story. You start seeing the character of the author through, through the details that they put in the timeline because they know how the story begins and they know how, how the tension starts in the middle and they know exactly how it's going to end in the finish. All throughout the book, you see the character of the author. Now, how good would it be if we just skimmed right through the table of contents? We probably wouldn't realize and see the character of the author that much by just reading the, 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 the title of a, of a chapter or knowing how many pages the, the book has. Can I ask you, do you know the character of the author of your life? Unfortunately, we we perhaps know more about the author of our failure than the author of our faith. And we believe that the author of our failure is the one that's writing the foreword to our autobiography, who's writing the script to the story of our lives. But yet the author of the book of Hebrews is saying, you've got a, a cloud of witnesses. You've got a cloud of content, literally a library full of content of men and women of faith that as you look at their life and the lives of those people who live by faith around you, you start seeing the character of the author of their faith, but also the author of your faith. And the character is one of faithfulness, of goodness, of kindness, of patience, of love, of future, of promise. That's the character of the author of your faith. And if God is not done writing, we can continue to run with endurance. Secondly, the author says, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the finisher, the perfecter. And so that's more of a construction term. So I'm not much of a constructor. I'm not much of a builder kind of person. But a finisher is someone who, who completes the job they intend to, to, to build with, with, without any imperfections or any defects. God is the ultimate master craftsman. He knows that our failures, our struggles, our conflicts, and our difficulties has a way of growing our dependence on him, has a way of, of shrinking and crushing our pride where we become more humble towards him, has a way of growing our love for God, has a way of growing our dependence for more of God. And he knows just the amount of sanding our struggles needs. He knows just the amount of trimming and chiseling that our failures and our conflicts and our difficulties need. Because God is more concerned with finishing us than we are with us finishing the race. Because how good would it be if we finished our race, but yet we are not yet finished? How good would it be if we finished the, the, the race, but yet we're still dealing with our insecurities? How good would it be if we ran and finished the race, but yet we're still a wreck? God's intentions is to finish us. And when he is finished with us, we'll be finished. And so if God is still working in our lives, he's still constantly finishing in our lives, then we have to still run. Let us focus not on the finish line, but rather on the finisher. Lastly is this, to embrace eternity, we have to live with the end in mind. We have to live with the end in mind. It says, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross. How? It's because he saw the end was enjoyable. It says that he, he endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. He saw the end, and it was enjoyable, and it allowed him to endure. 
You see, the cross was created for maximized pain and shame. Imagine the Son of God hanging for hours in agony, naked, humiliated. That's just the physical part. The spiritual aspect of it, Jesus, pure and sinless, became sin, literally took on the full shame of humanity on himself and took on the full wrath of God on himself to become the payment for our punishment. But yet the author saying, he looked at that as little. He despised the shame because he saw the joy that was set before him. He lived with the end in mind. And I love, I love what the author says in this verse. And now he sat at the right hand throne of God. Jesus is seated. We can simply skim over that part that says Jesus sat. But man, this is the good part, y'all. This is the better part, y'all. This is what gives us access to, to, to the eternity that we can embrace. You see, in the book of Hebrews, the author talks about how the Old Testament priests would constantly have to stand to make sacrifices. Why? It's because people constantly failed. So they constantly were standing and sacrificing, standing and sacrificing while people kept failing and failing. And here's Jesus. He's sitting. Why is he sitting? It's because he's saying, there is no more sacrifice that is needed. I have paid in full for all of the failures that you did before in the past, that you will do in the present, and that you will do in the future. I've paid it in full. I paid in full your future. I paid in full your eternity that you can embrace right now. His sitting determined our ending. And so can you imagine what would have happened, what our ending would have been if Jesus wasn't sitting? Failure would have been final. Failure would have been the, the final say in our lives. But because he is sitting, we are reminded that our ending is different. We have a future that is better. And so because he's sitting, we are reminded that we are not stuck and trapped in a broken world. But rather, this life is a mere preparation for the next life. We've got a new finish line. And the finish line is our home in heaven a kingdom where Jesus is sitting on the throne as a loving, ruling, victorious king. We have an ending in mind where we have fullness of joy, fullness of life. There is no more pain. There is no more failures. There is no more sickness where we are worshiping with the great cloud of witnesses singing the hymn of heaven together. That's our ending. Can you imagine if we lived that way? Can you imagine if, if we looked at the setbacks in our life as saying, it's just part of the race. It's not part of my finish. And just keep on running. Can you imagine the, the, the delays in our life or the, the, the broken promises that we experience, the failures that we experience? We understand that it's just part of the race. It's not part of the finish. God already paid for my finish. And so today, perhaps you're here and you're wondering to yourself, Jay, I'm not really too sure if I know my ending. Can I just tell you that God, God has a better plan for you. And that ending, that eternity that God wants you to embrace only comes first through faith in Jesus. 
by making him the author and the perfecter of your faith, of your life, and saying, Jesus, I give you the pen of my life. Would you write the script? I may not know what the next chapter of my life brings, but I'm trusting in the author that's writing it. If that's you today and you're, you're placing your faith in Jesus and making him the Lord and Savior of your life, would you let us know? You can scan the QR code right now that's going to be on your screen. If, if you're joining us in, in the chat section there, there's going to be a link there. Go ahead and click on that link. All we want to do is want to just say welcome home. Welcome to, to the family of God, but welcome to, to our family here at Lifehouse Church. And we want to just make sure we follow up with you, pray with you, and celebrate the best and absolutely best decision any one of us can make on this side of eternity. And so go ahead and scan that code. Go ahead and, and fill out that form. We, we'd love to follow up with you. What a great way to start your new year. Maybe you've already made a decision to follow Jesus. What are those weights that God is calling you to, to remove? What is, that, what is that focus right now that, that's stopping you from, from running well, from finishing well? How do we need to focus on Jesus as the author? and allow him to write in our lives? How do we focus on Jesus as the finisher to allow him to smooth out those rough areas in our lives so that we can run with endurance and live with the end in mind? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have paid in full for all of our failures because of your son, Jesus. And I thank you what you purchased for us is a future that is far better and brighter than our failures. And so, God, I, I pray that we would be a people that, much like what Hebrews 11 says, that they are commended by faith, that they lived and died living in faith. And so, Father, I, I pray right now that, that the freshness and future will begin to flow through every home right now, through every device right now, that they would experience the power and the freedom from the Spirit of God to cause us to run well, run with endurance, and live with the end in mind. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.